This is the XA Live Recap Podcast for Monday, April 5th, the Idol of American Christianity. Here's your host, Jenny Weeks. Welcome back to the XA Live Recap Podcast. Um, this is Jenny, and I'm here with Leland, and we are just going to continue the conversation because sometimes subjects are too hard to talk about in such a short period of time. So, Leland, we talked about um, American Christianity or the American Jesus versus the biblical Jesus. Um, you ready for this conversation? This is a this is a hard conversation, so I don't know if ready for it is the right word, but we can have this conversation. <laughs> True, it is a hard one. So to start us off, why is it so offensive to ask the question, does our Christianity look like our American culture or um, the Bible? I think it's probably hard to answer the question succinctly because I think there's actually a lot in it. And I'm going to do the best I can to make some generalities that hopefully make some sense. But I think it's offensive for one of the reasons is that America has for a long time been considered a Christian nation. Mm. And so if we're going to ask the question, does Christianity look like American culture instead of the Bible? Uh, As an American, that's kind of offensive because there's this idea that in some parts of you know our culture that is the same yeah. so it's offensive to it's almost like saying what well, are you are you saying that i'm not an american and, mm. and it kind of broke it, it it gets into that territory so i think it's offensive from that standpoint just because of the way it's been associated uh, it's also a lot of who we are and what we do sort of thinking and now someone is challenging me on whether I, I'm actually following Christ or not. And, and that can be offensive. If, you know, if, I, if I consider myself a Christian and I feel like I'm walking things out, and, you know, it's, it's offensive to be challenged about you know, what am I actually following and maybe even challenged that what I'm thinking is wrong. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of uh, potential offensiveness in this. And, and this is what leads me to say that I think with this conversation, we need to be kind of delicate because one of the things I recognize is that if there's any part of this that's true, then this is the only Christianity that people have seen. Quite a few yeah. people. I, I don't mean all people, but I mean, this is the only Christianity that many people have ever seen, either on the TV or in their family or in their church. And so if we ask the question, what is it we're actually following? I think we need to understand also that people have not always seen maybe biblical Christianity for what it is mm-hmm. and need to kind of offer a, a view of that that suggests there's more than where we're at right now. Not that, you know, not that where we're at right now is all wrong, but there is an invitation for more and there's an invitation mm-hmm. for growth instead of um, necessarily being offended by the idea. Yeah, I think you said it so gently, which you always say things more gently than I do. Um, The idea of it being offensive is because either there is something in the American culture that has shifted 
that is influencing things to where there might be problems with our American culture or there's problems with our Christianity that's shifted from the Bible and that's on both sides difficult to wrestle with. Um, and we don't like to be wrong. Like, I don't like to be wrong. Like, there's something in us that just wants to be like, I am doing this right. And that question bodes the question, like, am I doing it right? And that's just tough. At least tough for me. Maybe I'm the only one that really likes to be right. No, I think that's that's part of humanity. We want to be right and we want to know. And we, we have been plagued with that ever since the garden and the fall. And that's that is who we are. So... So when, so when I look at this question, one of the things that I have to ask myself is, is the core of what I believe and what I walk out actually the instructions that are left in Micah 6.8? If the answer to this is yes, then I'm probably following a biblical Christianity. And if it's not, and if the world's not seeing this, then I think it's wise to ask the question, what am I actually following? Micah 6.8 says, love mercy, act justly, and walk humbly with him. Yeah. And I think if we start maybe the conversation from that foundation, we can ask the question, kind of what are we following? And is there an idol of American Christianity that's different than that? Yeah, that's such a great scripture to anchor us in seeing if our faith lived out is right. All right, so next question is, why do you think um, that the fact that the watching world is determining who Jesus is, is based on the, is it the American Jesus or the biblical Jesus? Why is that fact so concerning? I think just as people, we're always evaluating what we see around us mm-hmm. for, for good and bad. Uh, Paul says that we, we should be able to judge the things that are bad. So it's not like we can go around and you know just a- absolutely not judge anything um, and have no thoughts or opinions on things. The, um, the, the world sees things on the news. It sees things on the social media. I think it, it is a good question to ponder, you know, what is the world seeing? Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, we, we may have reason to be concerned about what they're seeing because of these things. So there's no question that the world almost determines Christianity based on what we do. Our neighbors look at what we're doing, and ideally they know that we love Jesus, and they're probably making some kind of evaluation of what we're doing and aligning it with that. The mm. And this is the way the whole world acts. So I think we need to ask ourselves, you know, what are we doing? And, you know, are we kind of walking like is written in Micah 6, 8? And also, what are we believing? Uh, And, you know, Mark 10 speaks a little bit about, you know, just the way that we are supposed to align ourselves and the way we're supposed to walk. And, you know, this is Jesus speaking about how the powerful and the rulers act by lording it over others is the words that are used there. Uh, And he explains that his kingdom's way is opposite and that he himself will take the humble path of a servant, that whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be the first must be the last for even the son of man did not come to be served and to get, but, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in other places he says, so pick up your cross and follow me. Like that's mm-hmm. in Luke. Like he says, here's what I'm going to do. And then he says, now you follow me. 
And yeah. the world will see whether we do that or not. And the question we need to ask is, are we actually seeing this in our American Christianity? Yeah. And I think that's just, it's an interesting point to recognize that like what Jesus calls us to isn't always what we want to see, like that bid to come, the die. But that is biblical Christianity. And then we have to wonder if people recognize that we are living a life of sacrifice. I know with myself, like, I don't always know, like, would my neighbors think of me living a life of sacrifice? And that challenges me to live more of a life of sacrifice so people can see that. I think one of the reasons why it concerns me, um, the world determines it, what Jesus is based on what they see, especially over this pandemic. I've had so many conversations with people that I love dearly who are not following Jesus. And it's as if I've had to say, what you are seeing is not the Jesus in the Bible. And that breaks my heart because I love the body of Christ. Um, We're called to be devoted to it. We're called to serve it. We're called to love it. It's the bride of Christ for when he returns. And to have to tell people I love, like, no, like, Jesus, like Jesus in the Bible is different. Can we talk about who Jesus is? And um, just that, that tension that I feel trying to point people to Jesus of the Bible, but also recognizing that I love the body of Christ. And that has been a tough tension for me to wrestle with. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's hard for me. Yeah, it is really difficult the the world has seen a lot of politics a lot of hate and a lot of anger and the world has been hurting and the world has been i think watching to see how those who follow jesus respond in crisis and so if what if what uh you know they take away if what the world takes away are just the the hateful words that are all over social media posts, then we've got a big problem. And if that is American Christianity, then that's something that's not aligned with a lot of what we're seeing, uh, even in the few passages that, you know, I've just kind of read through here. Yeah. So why, why is it significant for us as disciples of Jesus to accept Jesus for who he was? Like the disciples, us then, and then even the disciples at the time, why is it significant for us to accept, for them to accept Jesus who he was instead of his expectation? I'd like to think about a couple things. And one is that, you know, the disciples struggled, and so I think we we also are going to struggle some. You know, God is God is big. And Maybe, maybe that's the quotable thing from this podcast. God is big. And to actually, to actually understand is it's going to be a struggle for us. And we see it was a struggle for, for the disciples, too. It's been a struggle for humanity. Uh, the, um, but but I, was, I was thinking about this question a little bit, and I was reminded of the transfiguration. Mm. because the disciples 
are kind of becoming aware of maybe who Jesus is, that, that he is the Messiah, the Christ. But they are locked into part of that figure, but not a second part. There are two parts of this messianic figure, and one of them is the conquering king who establishes the kingdom and rules. And you know we see a lot of that in Revelation and other things like that. So we've, we have this idea of the conquering king, but the other one is the suffering servant. Yeah. And Jesus in his fullness as son of man perfectly fulfills both of those roles, but the disciples are locked in on one of them. And so mm-hmm. they see the transfiguration and they see kind of this, you know, this God before them who's talking to other figures of fame from the Old Testament. The glory cloud is there on the mountain. You know, it's God the Father. It's God's presence. Everything is there. And so they really, you know, I think, I think part of this is them kind of really locking into Jesus, the conquering king. Mm-hmm. And so they're coming down from the mountain, and they ask him, you know, so why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Because they're familiar with the Old Testament, and they know that Elijah's got to come back first, and they just saw Jesus as kind of the, the actual king. And they said, all right, so where's Elijah? You know, you're here. Where, where has he been? Well, so uh, Jesus uh, answers him. He says, okay, so Elijah does come first, and, and he has, right? And they've done everything to him that they wanted to. But then he challenges them with the second part of who he is. So they've seen the first part. They challenge, he challenges them with the second part. And he says, so to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? And that, is, to me, is key. Because to really understand Christ and to follow him, there are these two things that we need mm-hmm. to reconcile. One is his lordship, and the other is the life that he led and calls us to. And he challenges the si- disciples directly in this. So you guys know the Old Testament. Why also does it say that the Son of Man is going to suffer? You, you're getting mm-hmm. part of it. Here's the second part, and I'm going to challenge yeah. you with it. And it's hard because they don't expect that the one who's going to conquer and rule is also the one from the servant songs written in Isaiah. Mm-hmm. The one who is familiar with sorrows. Like that is also the God who is standing before them. And so in our American Christianity, I think one of the things we should ask ourselves is, do we see the fullness of this Christ in the thing that we are calling Christianity? Or are we seeing a piece of it? Because Jesus will challenge us just like he challenged the disciples, the people who knew him best in those few years he was um, kind of running the ministry on the earth. He challenges us to see it more fully and know that and know him and follow him in that way. Yeah, that's so true. Thanks. Um, So bringing it home on the personal side. So how has consumer mentality impacted your own faith? I think generally speaking, it's made it harder to trust him. But I also Mm -hmm. say this because from the standpoint that it's also the only thing I've known. Mm. Um, We've grown up in this culture 
and there's a consumer mentality that runs through the culture in all things. I want the newest stuff. I want the things that are cool. Um, you know, all, Let's all of this stuff. correct this. You don't always want the newest stuff. Sometimes you want the oldest stuff. That's true. I want what I want. And, and the <laughs> consumer culture tells me that that's good. Um, so, but it makes it harder to trust him because I'm always wanting what I want. If I can touch it with my own hands, you know, there's, there's success and the promise of wealth and things are going to work out. And so we, we kind of see things through this lens of American excellence. And hmm. I think that that filters out some of the faith that we could have in Jesus. Hmm. So I think um, I am also the person who sees him calm a storm and he turns and looks at me and says, why do you have such little faith? Yeah. And it's, I mean, some of the answers that our con consumer mentality limits what I think he's actually going to do or capable of doing. And I think that's, that's hard. That makes it hard. Yeah. I think for me, sometimes the consumer mentality has made me see things very selfishly where, um, I mean, I can think back in some of the seasons of chronic pain. Um, I've had a lot of chronic pain in my life and the theory or the thought that if I find the right way to pray, or if I have the right heart, the Lord will do what I'm asking him to do. And that's me trusting in what he can do and trying to find the right way to make him do it instead of trusting him in the big picture process like yes he has not delighted in my chronic pain but he has shaped me into his image through it instead i want the quick fix i want i want it solved right now and that's just one practical way that i've seen it um, in my own life yeah i think it makes it harder uh, just in my own you know faith and maybe this is true for more than me to connect with the idea of suffering and mm. needing to help because we're surrounded by consumerism the you know the commercials of people who are successful and all of this stuff and don't really want to hear about things that aren't aligned with that it makes it harder to relate to it it makes hard, yeah. harder to see jesus in it and to kind of go about the kingdom in those situations definitely so what are we missing out when we follow the American Jesus instead of the biblical Jesus? Yeah, the, so, some of what we're missing out is the full picture of who Jesus is, kind of like we were talking about before. But I, I think there's also some risk in it of not just missing out on a significant part of who is Jesus. Uh, on a personal level, I, I think we also run the risk of being God's enemy. We end up mm. being friends with the world. And James says that, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Yeah. I mean, we, we position ourselves against God if we're not aligned with the biblical Jesus. And that's a dangerous place to be. It's not, it, you know, if I'm not, I am not saying that someone who isn't fully aligned with Jesus isn't saved. We all have misunderstandings. We all, you know, we, we grow in wisdom as we grow through life. 
Oh, most definitely. We are all broken along this path and this journey. Absolutely. So don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But I do think we can set ourselves up as someone who, instead of working with what God wants to do, ends up being mm -hmm. a roadblock either to ourselves or to someone else because of our perspective on things. You know, there's probably, uh, I could say almost a certainty there is healing that God would like to do in me, but am I, I am my own worst enemy, and I set myself up against God because of the way I see Christ. So I think that's part of it. There's also, and maybe this is linked to it, if we're not aligned with the fullness of Christ, it is harder to set aside the old self mm -hmm. and be made new mm -hmm. in Christ. If I'm clinging to the idea of who I want Jesus to be, who culture says Jesus is, then the old self that's full of kind of darkness and despair and addiction and problems and anger, that's much harder to set aside and be filled with something different if I'm not staring at the fullness of Jesus. And that's what he yeah. calls us to, know, you know, come and know me and then these promises can start mm -hmm. to be you know, fulfilled. Yeah, one of the things I, when I think about it is I feel like we're missing out on the fullness of life. Like Jesus promises that life comes to those that lose their life. And so we're saying that our definition of life is better than the Lord's. And I think that's like a daily wrestle at least for me, it's a daily wrestle to choose the fullness of life and to choose the dying of myself and the choosing, letting go of what I want for what he wants. But I think ultimately we miss out, we miss out on that. We miss out on hope. We miss out that the Lord can provide hope and suffering and things don't have to change for the Lord to provide hope. We miss out on, um, grief and joy the ability for things to exist at the same time so we just miss out on the fullness of life and that's like that's one of the things that makes me the saddest when I find myself trying to follow the American Jesus instead of the biblical Jesus or when I watch people do it is that we miss out on the fullness of life that the Lord offers yeah and so, some of that fullness is loving each other well yeah. And we miss out on that, you know, the consumer mentality, the, you know, the, the Jesus as the successful, you know, conquering king, where I don't have to go into suffering, where I don't have to be a light in the darkness. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to love people well. I'm not going to be mm -hmm. looking at that. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up because um, we are almost at our time. I've got one last question. Why is it so important that we make the choice to follow the biblical Jesus? Well, I think you mentioned this in the sermon, and that's you know from Matthew 7, that people will call me Lord, Lord, and I will say I never knew you. Terrifying scripture. It is terrifying. It's a little bit like James 4.1. We set ourselves up as enemies of God. Um, you know, we, yeah. we, can, we can accidentally find ourselves in that position if we mm -hmm. don't actually know jesus so that that is always a gut check to me whenever i read a passage like that is where who am i actually following 
who is my God? Um, and yeah, wait, can I interrupt for a sec? Isn't it what one of the laws of thermodynamics that's right means that things naturally go to disorder from order. So that means in our own faith, we kind of naturally gravitate, gravitate towards this naturally, right? Yeah, there or is I'm messing a up the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> there is a thermodynamic law. It's the second law. It's called, I almost it's, said it was the second. It's it's the law of entropy, but essentially, that uh, it is there there is decre there is decreasing order, and increasing disorder as time continues forward, and you see that kind of rolling out just in the natural world around us, uh, and I think we're also you know drawn to to chaos internally if something's not always working to bring us back into order. And I think that's a lot of the work of the Holy Spirit, actually, is to reorder what is disordered, to bring unity where there's disunity, to undo the effects of the Tower of Babel and bring us all back to a common point and a common humanity, um, which is a 45-minute conversation for some other time. So I interrupt you with a lot of thermodynamics, but when I was when I was listening to you, I was thinking about we have to daily make the choice to follow the biblical Jesus because our souls and our lives will go to disorder without that active choice to choose that following. Um, I'm sure you had more important things to say than that. So any other thoughts on that question? No, I mean, we, we really need transformation, which is why it's so important to follow the biblical Jesus. But to just tie it up with thermodynamics for a second, it is possible. It is possible to bring something that is a total wreck of disorder back into order if you put work into it. True. So you can bring something back together if you add work to it. God is always adding work to us Amen. that we would be better ordered. And so it agrees completely with the laws of thermodynamics even you bring science into this and there you know so there is a call here to really follow the biblical jesus because our lives can reflect something better and ordered and we see a world around us that's desperate for this kind of help and this is what he calls us to when he calls yeah. us to follow him and all the promises of you know life in the full now and an eternity of hope with him in the future Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Leland. And I think anytime we can bring out the professor who brings some thermodynamics into the conversation, it at least delights my soul. And so um, as you go about your day, I just encourage you to make that choice to actively engage um, the biblical Jesus, to accept him for who he is and let him transform you. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, everybody. 